It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome everyone to Rock Amp Radio. This is the beginning of a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. We've been here for seven seasons now, at the beginning of uh, season seven. Uh, and we're here to talk all about your Missouri Tigers. I am your host. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, you will see me on the left-hand side, Sam Snelling. On the right, uh, my co-host, Matthew J. Harris, all the way from from. Indianapolis, Indiana, beamed directly into your your device here. Uh, Matt, how are you? Uh, I'm well. Uh, I'm thrilled at last that we have a list of games to talk about, actual games to talk about. It you know instead of like cobbling this thing together and you know keeping way too close of an eye on D1 docket, we have an actual honest to god non-conference schedule with dates and opponents it 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 was christmas and early in late august it's fantastic i'm glad we have a real living breathing non-conference schedule right and and while we did know the bulk of you know the uh the dates (laughs) and the teams and uh you know i feel like there's there's enough leaks at this point like once contracts are finalized between like a lot of the high majors like immediately like either Rothstein or Rockwell Miller or somebody is yeah. is you know tweeting out the details yeah uh, so we've we've known about like the major players and the on the roster what we didn't know is like basically the nooks and crannies uh you know how Mizzou is going to probably pick up the majority of their wins and <laughs> yeah uh, so uh but basically, you and I, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the schedule. Uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to see what this is about. Uh, and, and Matt, it starts off opening night against uh, everybody's favorite uh, SWAC team, the Arkansas Pine Bluff Lions. Uh, 
uh, who have, uh, I guess, year three of the uh, Solomon Bozeman era. So low! Uh, and a lot of, I guess, after a, a lot, I think it was 13 seasons of, uh, of George, George Flyvery, baby. George Flyvery. <laughs> but still going it, still going strong in the swack, still swacky. This time in Mississippi Valley State. Yeah, he sat out for a season. He's at Mississippi Valley State. Uh, some people may remember they they played the Tigers uh, pretty tough last year. Yep. Um. So, Arkansas Pine Bluff uh, has not had a lot of success against the Tigers. Uh, <laughs> I believe they played each other five times. Uh, and have not won uh, the closest game. They only lost by 18 points uh, to what turned out to be the Lions' best team in, in school history. So uh, I did actually learn a little bit as I was writing their their preview. Um, it's It's been a while uh, since yeah. they've, they've been in, in D1, and it's been a while since uh, they've won the conference, and they won the conference... Uh, Fortunately for Missouri, a team when they had a really good team, otherwise that that contest might have been a little tougher. Uh, but this yeah. is a, at the tail end of the Mike Anderson era when Mizzou was was, was pretty darn good. Yeah, they've, you know, Solomon Bozeman's a guy who I I covered a little bit when he was in college, um, University of Arkansas, at Little Rock. Um, his dad has coached some D twos in state. Really, really respected basketball family out of that state. Um, Solomon's you know been on some staffs. Or Roberts and other places. Um, he's a guy who um, knows basketball real well, high IQ guy, really good guy. Um, UAPB is a tough job in that state, um, or like any SWAC position, it's really, really tough. But I think he's the right kind of hire for a guy for a place like that. Really knows the local basketball community, will understand how to identify guys, will have a good sense for the coaching community there. And last year, I think early on, they were pretty tough. You know, they went to TCU and put a scare. In that team, I think they only lost by one. You know, they played Oklahoma tough in a road game. You know, they've, you know, been in situations, I think, where on the right night they can put a little bit of fear into people. I think they were really, really tough at Minnesota. Minnesota was awful, but they went in, they were in that game until very, very late. So I think if you look at what this team is, they play hard for him. He's great at identifying talent within that market. Um, They're going to take a hit, you know, like a lot of swag teams do. I think they've lost a couple of key pieces that you wrote but I think you know long term he's the right fit there but this is a game that you know they've got to take to fill out the athletic budget and if Missouri does what it should do this should be a pretty comfortable opening night game for Missouri but I I think you know long term you know UAPB might be kind of a sneaky good team in a low major league if Solomon can do what he needs to do there and and really gets the supporting that's sort of warranted for that position. Yeah, there's no shortage of uh, of talent um, floating around know, in, in and around that area. There's you know some pretty good JUCOs. Yeah, you know in um, you know Southern Missouri and, and Arkansas and even into Mississippi, uh, where you can kind of pluck talent. That, you know, and I, I I think like there's a there's a way where you can be consistently good. Um, but the thing that I do like about you know like a guy like him at a job like that is you know, essentially, like you, you know that that the program's going to give him a lot of time, uh, and they're going to weather uh, a good amount of of tough seasons because they, you know, they understand what they're up against financially, uh, and that's why you go and you play like you know five or six high majors 
uh, a season is uh, is is you know basically to to make ends meet, mm. uh, and so sometimes that makes your record look a little rough. Uh, but yeah. I, I think I you know I think I agree with you. It, he's he's a guy who's a you know he's got a good reputation. He's a grinder. Uh, whether or not this is a competitive game it, uh, remains to be seen. His first game of the season. It's one of those things like you know Missouri's going to be a uh, a new team trying to kind of you know. Figure things out. out, and it's entirely possible that this is, you know, a little closer uh, than you might want it to be. But ultimately, I, I think it's a game that you could, you know, certainly expect Missouri should win with yeah. a reasonably comfortable margin. Probably yeah. not yeah. fifty points uh, like they did. No, uh, they no. have three times against uh, against Pine Bluff. They beat them by by fifty points. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the thing about the, you mentioned you know, the patience there. George Ivory got 13 years in that position. That administration understands the nature of the job. They know that, you know, Solo's going to have a rough night on nights like, you know, when they come into Columbia. So I I think it'll, everyone kind of knows what the deal is here. And maybe they're able to keep it close. Maybe they're able to, you know, catch Missouri, you know, as they're trying to sort out some rotational issues. Like you said, you know, put up a pretty respected performance under the circumstances. Next up is uh, November 10th. Uh, Missouri welcomes Memphis uh, to the building. Um, Memphis has been in the news recently because they they hired Brad Luce uh, away from Missouri, uh, Mizzou, which I believe hit hit you know the the national news market, not just our local one. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm teasing a bit. We love Brad. Uh, one of uh, one of the great people. It's been in the athletic department um, after he, uh, after you know, Commanderson left. Uh, Brad got into the sort Let, of like fundraising forget, side. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to be nice, um, and uh, and Brad stuck around and, and really like took advantage of of you know Columbia's, I think support for him and and obviously everybody remembers the rally for Ryan stuff. Yeah. So. Um, so, you know, cool to kind of see him take another step and, and get into, you know, maybe a little bit more of a senior role at Memphis. Uh, and you know, Memphis is a cool town. Um, but the, the Missouri Tigers are not going to take on Brad Luce. Uh, they're going to take on Penny Hardaway, who I did write in my, uh, in my preview, if anybody caught it or didn't catch it last week, uh, Penny was always one of my favorite players to watch growing up, obviously, uh, you know, as injuries sort of mounted a little bit, sort of took away a little bit of his explosiveness, but uh, an absolute joy to watch when he was uh, when he was at the height of his athletic prowess. Uh, and it's been a, a little bit bumpier than I think a lot of people expected, Matt, at, at Memphis. Um, yeah. But he's still done a really respectable uh, job there. They've got a really nice-looking roster. Uh, DeAndre Williams, if he gets approved for... I uh, believe he would be 27 years old by the time uh, college basketball kicked kick, or, or tipped off uh, this season. Uh, Should be getting he, a fellowship in mid school. Yeah, like if he doesn't have a uh, you know some sort of leg up into the you know a doctorate program, like he's really kind of wasting his time a little bit. Um, but a team that right now kind of looks like it is probably going to be one of the favorites in the AAC, uh, and certainly a, a contender for uh, an at-large. Um, you know, at a birth. So this is this is no pushover. Uh, Memphis coming in, an experienced team to boot. Yeah, they've 
I think there was a period, you know, where it was sort of dicey as to what their transfer class was going to look like. But, you know, a late pickup of Javon Quinterly, a late pickup of David Jones, um, Jordan Brown, a really, really late pickup of, you know, a player of the year and a former fo- out of Louisiana and in the Sun Belt, but started out as a five-star kid. Uh, sort of bopped around out west. Caleb Mills, a Florida State transfer. You know, they've they've really gone in and with those four or five transfer pickups really sort of boosted, I think, kind of where the baseline roster and talent level is going to be. You know, even a guy like Jaquan Walton out of Wichita State is is a guy who I, I think could you know, start at a lot of AAC places. He's going to, you know, fight for minutes here. It's a pretty quality roster. Um, I guess the question is going to be, you know, what do they do with if Penny's not on the sideline? You know, Penny faces a three-game suspension to start the year. You know, what does that look like, you know, to have him out as you put that roster in? Now they do have um, everyone's favorite recruiter, Rick Stansbury, on staff. Rick, uh, former head coach at Mississippi State, former head coach at Western Kentucky, could surely probably step in and fill the gap there. But a lot of new faces, um, you know, a little bit of, you know, tumult early on on the sideline there. Uh, this is a game, though, that if you just went off Torvik's predictions for 2024, Memphis is number 31. Missouri is 63rd. Um, it's a home game. It's early. Probably, you know, falls in the toss-up category. If you're Missouri, this is an opportunity, I think, to get a quad two win at minimum to get to get it early. And, you know, if you look good in the process, it, it may portend, you know, some big things for this roster. But two teams that lost a lot, that did a lot of an overhaul, you know, it's one of those things where you and I can look at things on paper and sort of, you know, try and speculate what it's going to be. But until we get closer to it, until we have a better sense for what the roster is looking like or we have a better sense for what's happening in camp, little bit dicey, but th- this is probably one of those games that I think we're going to look back on and say this this was one of those kind of linchpin games, you know, in terms of what a resume might look like. So it comes early, it comes quick, but it'll be fascinating to see how this sort of plays out, you know, with, with the dynamics we've just talked about. And really, you know, uh, a good amount of like kind of like what Memphis can really be does sort of hinge on whether Williams gets, you know, granted yeah, uh, another another year. Now, you know, his journey, and I, I wrote about it in the preview, and you can kind of look at it that way. But his his journey to uh, through all this is is has been an interesting one. So this would actually, if he if he were granted, I believe would would be his fifth year playing. So it's not like he's just he's played a million years. Yeah, uh, he had a red shirt. He had a post grad, and it was just you know, there's a reason why he's so old, but. Yeah, um, and I I think he graduated late too, so because he was he was homeschooled there for a while, so it's it's one yeah. of those things like where it's, I mean, there's a reason why he's you know, twenty six and about to turn twenty seven and still trying to yeah. play college basketball. But uh, if he does get in, I mean, he's a guy who was was you know really good for them last year, and yeah. and, and certainly uh you know a tough rebounder and defender and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't want to. Since we've got so many to get through, we don't want to spend too long on on some of these, especially a, a team like SIUE, uh, November thirteenth. That's a home game. Uh, I do really like what uh, what Brian uh, Baroni. Um, I'm assuming it's Baroni. Is it Baroni or yep. Barone? Oh, uh, his dad, um, Tony Baroni, former head coach at Texas A&M. That's right, Tony Baroni. 
I do really like the work that he's done there. Uh, I think when you look yeah. at sort of like what he took over, I mean, SIUE has always been a an awful program since uh, since they've tried to become a Division One team, uh, and he's made them better. Um, I think uh, getting uh, Rayshon, uh, just forgetting Taylor his name, Mack. Taylor, uh, you know, out of out of uh, Collinsville, if I remember correctly, yeah. um, was like a, a big move. And I think if if he can consistently recruit those sort of like lower level, uh, you know, D one kids maybe pop up in the Metro East and convince them to like stick around home, yeah, you know, there's there's some really decent talent that kind of comes through O'Fallon, Illinois and, and Edwardsville yeah. and uh in in Collinsville and Cahokia and all those places. So uh I you know I think he's he's made an effort to kind of try to keep those guys. He has uh uh Javon Pickett's younger brother yep. uh on the roster this year. Um and uh and little uh Rob Thomas too. Um yeah. out of C B C yeah. Yeah a guy the guy that we both liked in high school but he was he's a very very small uh i think yeah, that it's kind of like one of those like phil pressy kind of things where he's like yeah. listed at something and you're like i don't think that's yeah. quite <laughs> he he and brad corn have really, really i think kind of figured out the model which is one you may not get you know into that top eight you know prospects out of the metro area but you can certainly mine spots eight to 15 and find those guys you know, if there's a guy that's, you know, gone to a high major that maybe didn't have a great experience, you can offer a chance for him to come home and play, you know, in sort of a market that where he's familiar. And there's, you know, some decent JUCOs, you know, and, you know, selectively if you can work, you know, into the Illinois JUCO system and into Southeast Missouri, you can sort of pick around and, 20, and you know, Baroni has sort of a background. He started in JUCO, so he knows how to sort of evaluate guys at that level. And the OVC is a league right now that's in flux. You know, you don't have Murray there anymore. You don't have Belmont anymore. Um, it's kind of an, you know, Moorhead has kind of been that, you know, third team in the mix there. But realistically, after that, it's pretty wide open. And so I think now is a good time if you can, you know, find the little pockets of talent locally and, you know, really sort of, I think, build a steady roster and maintain some continuity at that level. The OVC is there for them to take. So it's, it's, it's a really, really, you know, sort of nice moment for, you know, SIUE to maybe elevate itself within that conference. If it has a good sense of what it is and the kind of players that it's looking for. So then uh, that's on the 13th. Next up is November 16th. They actually make their first uh, uh, road trip and um, I misspelled Minnesota. <laughs> Uh, or did I? No, you got Minnesota right. You, okay. You, yeah, you got you got yeah. many right. Yeah. Um. So Minnesota, uh, <laughs> not the best Big Ten school. Uh, been a been a bit of a rough stretch. Uh, for the for the Golden Gophers, um, here in the last few years. Uh, they had uh, Richard Patino uh, there for a lot of years, and he was doing what I would call adequate work. Uh, and it turns out that he was doing pretty good work because uh, the, they've really struggled since uh, <laughs> since they jettisoned uh, the younger Patino. Um, you know, I, I think if you're lining up a high major for a road game and you 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 know want to take your shot, uh, this isn't the worst way to go. Is find one of the 
programs that has really not found their footing and nah, see if he can this, go steal a, a road win. This is take, you know, Minnesota off the Jersey. This is going to play at a mid tier, you know, Missouri Valley team, like in terms of like what you're going to see in Evan Meyer and Kim Palm. So like that, that's really the functional quality we're looking at here. Drake is going to be better than Minnesota this year. The, the top of the Missouri Valley is going to be better than what, you know, Minnesota is right now. Doesn't mean that, you know, this should be a, a win that you automatically bank, but Missouri's right now, I'm looking at it, 69 spots ahead of Minnesota and Evan Maya. Mm-hmm. Even if you account for the difference on the road, that should be a win. That, that I mean, even if you looked at where Minnesota's roster is right now, they're bringing back Dawson Garcia, who's a really nice player. But, you know, this offseason they lost, you know, Jamison Battle transferred out to go to Ohio State. Talon Cooper, their veteran point guard, transferred out to go to South Carolina. You know, they brought in Elijah Hawkins, who's a solid player from Howard, Mike Mitchell from Pepperdine, Jack Wilson from Washington State. There's just not an influx here, you know, of guys that you think you look at the roster and say, this looks like a team that's, you know, chinning itself to maybe make a move in the Big Ten. This feels like sort of a last stand for, you know, Ben Johnson there. Like I said, Dawson Garcia is back, but Talon Cooper is gone. He was second in use for them. Jamison Battle is gone. You know, Pharrell Payne, you know, Joshua Ola Joseph. They've got some guys who are young and going to be looking to step up, but there's not really, you know, they were 330th in continuity last year. They're turning it over again. This is a long way of saying if Missouri is a team that you think is, you know, should, you know, even be in line for a 7 or 8 seed in the NCAA tournament, this is a game they win. Yeah. Um, It, you know, functionally this is, playing a mid-major on the road. And, that again, that's nice. We saw what happened when Missouri went to Liberty a couple of years ago. But the roster is in a good place, and if the staff has done what it needs to do, this should be a game that gets banked as a win. And, you know, I feel for Ben Johnson. He's an alum. Um, you know, they he lobbied, a, hard, lobbied hard for the job. Worked, lobbied worked hard, hard for the job. Yeah, to get in position to even be in the discussion for that job. And, you know, it, it hasn't pitch, gone well. The pitch has been... You know, what if we could keep these Minnesota kids home to play for us? And, you know, there's more to it than that. And, you know, it's time to call Nico Medved home. I think that's just where we are right now. Nico Medved, it's time to come home, Nico. Time to come home. But this should be, you know, watch us jinx it, but this should be Maybe not a comfortable win, but this should be a road win if if both teams perform like we expect them to. Yeah. Uh, so the next three games are more kind of lighter fare. Uh, Aperitifs, you might say. <laughs> That's a tasting in you. Uh, Jackson State is another SWAC program. Um, but they got Deshaun Ruffin. Ruffin. On the roster, a, a guy who has not had a lot of success uh, at at, mm-hmm. at Missouri. 
Um, really, Dacian Ruffin hit campus uh, in Oxford and 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 turned the tide of the you know the Tigers' futile efforts to overcome the rebels. Um, and I, I I'm joking a little bit because yeah, Dacian, I think. Dacia was a really, really good player, and then he's just dealt with a lot of, a lot of injuries. A lot of a injuries. Lot of injuries. And, a, and a guy who I thought was really going to help Ole Miss um, and just could never kind of be healthy enough to, to do it. But, you know, like in, maybe stepping back down to a lower level and just getting healthy is, is what he needs. Yeah, yeah, Mo Williams is there. Um, you know, Jackson State, I've had to look at the Saints, but I think they were pretty good last year. Um this is They're a like game top where six, I think, if I remember yeah, correctly, I, was, I, this walk, I, is, I haven't fully uh, got gotten into Jacksonville State research yet, but no, I haven't looked at you know this. These are games where you know Jackson State right now is two oh eight in the tournament preseason. South Carolina State is three twenty one. Loyola Maryland is two sixty two. We'll get to them. These are really where you start to tinker with your rotations. You start to give guys longer looks. You know, these are the types of games, you know, where last year even a kid like Caleb Brown is getting 10, 12 minutes and not in, like, garbage time lineups. He's getting real real minutes and a real opportunity to sort of put, you know, a marker down. These are, these are sometimes the games where, you know, if I go back and watch, I'm really watching the backup lineups and really watching the young guys and seeing what they're doing. It's where we got our first really long sort of look at Aiden Shaw. We're in these types of games. So, you know, f- for our purposes, it's sort of nice to see them as kind of the earliest sample of what young guys are maybe going to do to try and earn some time in maybe what, like spots seven to 10 in the rotation. Can some guy, you know, maybe elbow out a transfer and get a role? So there's, there's some utility there, but, you know, brass tacks, this is a stretch where you want to see Missouri go 3 0, and they should go 3 0. Yeah, so uh, Jackson State and uh, is on November 19th, and then on the 22nd, they take on South Carolina State. That is part of an MTE, which is a uh, multi-team event. Um, for people that don't know the MTE term, you probably hear us reference it a lot. Uh, the Maui Invitational is an MTE. Um, the Battle for Atlantis is an MTE. And this is just a little MTE that Mizzou threw together so they could get an extra game. Basically, yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, we can talk about it now or we can talk about it afterwards. Um, when the schedule came out, you know, I think our Slack thread basically said, you know, what's sort of the objective here? You know, yes, this setup gets you an extra game. But functionally, what are you doing with that extra game? Like, is that extra game allowing you to schedule Seton Hall? We don't know. But, you know, to me, I think the hard part here is when you do an MTE like this, you're booking two guaranteed wins as part of it. But, you know, are you helping your tournament resume necessarily out of it? Probably not. You know, when I look at when these two games are on the schedule, they usually fall during Missouri's Thanksgiving break when students are gone. So, are you going to have... You're not playing in front of a packed house. So, are you maximizing the gate from that type of event? And, you know, I feel awful saying this because I think, you know, what Dennis 
Gates has done here, you know, it, it'll fall to someone, you know, when they get in front of the press to sort of ask whether this is intentional. You know, he scheduled three SWAC schools, three HBCUs, you know, and wow. what's sort of interesting is nine of Missouri's opponents here are led by a black head coach and, you know, are all sort of the same age as Dennis. So is Dennis, wow. you know, consciously, and I think it's cool, is he like, hey, giving opportunities, you know, scheduling amongst his peers, you know, is he, you know, trying to support some institutions, you know, sometimes that struggle, you know, resource-wise. I don't know, but I think from the practical perspective, our two games against Jackson State, South Carolina State, you know, the kind of game you need as you're putting together the schedule, or could you look at scheduling, you know, maybe teams that are 30 or 40 spots ahead of them and still yeah. get the kind of reps you need and just do the nice incremental boost that will help you come March. Only the staff knows what those trade-offs are and, you know, sort of what the philosophy is. But, you know, it's hard for me when I look at an MTE setup like this to wonder, are you really maximizing what you're getting out of that kind of arrangement? Or at the end of the day, do fans just care about wins? You know, it, it all sort of gets into the mix there. But I think it, it's sort of worth evaluating whether or not they're sort of leveraging that opportunity in a way that's fully beneficial. But... Again, we don't sit in staff meetings and don't run through the options. So then November 25th, they take on Loyola. You'll see in parentheses there, it says MD. That's because this is Loyola from Maryland. They are a Patriot League member. Uh, last <laughs> year, they were not too good. They were 13-20, and 7-11 um, in, in the Patriot League, which is not a great league. Um so this is, you know, another yeah. uh, another game where I think you're probably expecting a, sort of an easy Mizzou win. Yeah, if you look back, um, they have not been higher than 214th in Kimpom in the last decade. It's it's a it's a bio win, you know. If it's if if this thing is, you know, closer. You know, fifteen or twenty things probably haven't gone as smoothly. But then I say that last year Missouri was awful in garbage time, so that's true. Probably, yeah, I've probably damned them again. That's entirely possible. Uh, but we can um, get a little excited about November twenty eighth when the uh, ACC and SEC challenge kicks off. Missouri will be at uh, University of Pittsburgh. Uh, Jeff Capel, the Panthers. Um, there's a, uh, I guess, I, I guess the, the main central love of, uh, of our own Adeen Rao. Um, mm -hmm. he, he is a big Pitt fan. Um, Pitt made the NCAA tournament last year, uh, yep. which I feel like was a very important thing for Jeff Capel to do because it had otherwise been a pretty bumpy ride for, uh, uh, for you know, for them, really, since he took over, uh, they were kind of not all that impressive in the efficiency metrics. Mainly, they were winning a lot of games, uh, a lot of close games. They were winning a lot of games in the ACC, which was uh, really experiencing, uh, a, you know, a, or I guess still kind of is experiencing a bit of a down cycle. Um, you know, but they won 14 games in the league, which 
winning 14 games, the ACC should get you into the NCAA tournament, and it did. Uh, and so Missouri's going to have to go to Pitt, uh, who Dior Johnson just left their team. He was a former five-star recruit. Um, yeah, uh, he had been suspended. Of a, a troubled young man. <laughs> yeah, he's he's had uh, some issues on and off, you know, mostly off the floor. This is a team that I think, you know, really did a good job in the portal. I think that's sort of an underrated class because it's kind of a smaller class. Um, but Ishmael Leggett, really good, you know, kind of sneaky good player out of Rhode Island, transferred in. Zach Austin, yep. a uh, transfer from High Point, high-level athlete, jumbo wing. Yeah, guy, guy, that, guy that we like to film on when we when we watched yeah. him uh, after he entered the portal. Yep, yep, really good Blake player. Blake Henson's back, right? Blake Henson's back for them. I can't remember if Nelly Cummings is back or if he was a grad transfer for them, but the, the Diaz Graham brothers are back. Yeah, the Diaz Grahams are back. Exciting. And they got some front court depth there. This is a, a team that right now I think is probably in seventies or eighties of Kim Palm and and Evan Maya. You know, they're in the same range as where Missouri's going to be. They're probably two similar teams in that they're going to have to you know replace some key cogs. But you know, if the builds have been solid, they could be teams that you think are going to get on the bubble or maybe can tend to get into the tournament. You know, I know people aren't going to be really jazzed to see Pitt on the schedule, but this is this is a good game. This is a solid, you know, quad two game. If Pitt's what we think they're going to be, it will hold some value over the course of the year. And, you know, to me, this is probably the first true test on the schedule for them is, you know, when Pitt is good, that building is really, really raucous. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be a team that I think by then you want to start to see lineups and rotations starting to coalesce. You want to start to see kind of the identity of that team coming together. And it really is sort of the kickoff to, I think, you know, a really, really, you know, vital stretch in the non-con for this team. So it's, I think it it might be our first real litmus test of, of what this roster looks like. And if they go to Pitt and they get a win there, you know, Wichita State at home is gettable. You know, Kansas is going to be a tough road trip, but, you know, you feel like if you can get a win at Pitt and maybe you picked off Memphis at home, you're starting to put together a pretty solid non-conference resume at that point, and maybe you've got some momentum that will carry you through December. But that feels like a game that, you know, we're going to circle and say, okay, this is our first real good measuring stick of what Dennis Gates and the staff have. Well, you already mentioned it. After that game, uh, they do get a little bit of a break. Um, December 3rd, they come home to play Wichita State. Ronnie and, DeGray's homecoming! Yeah, I was going to say, in, in the uh, Ronnie DeGray Bowl. Um, so, uh, anybody is paying attention this offseason, um, Ronnie DeGray, a guy who we've always liked and I always thought could be a very solid contributor. Uh, you know, for Missouri, never quite found a home uh, once... <laughs> Hans Martin left. I think uh, I I think a, a transfer was inevitable, and uh, he found himself at, at Wichita State. Yeah. And uh, I think Chris Hollander initially took that job. He uh, shortly on thereafter, staff. like, is he still on staff? No, but he was on staff there. And yeah, yeah. He, he 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 initially took the assistant job uh, and was working with him for a while, and then stepped away <laughs> uh, for personal reasons. We don't really know why. Um, and uh, so Paul Mills gets a former Tiger on his uh, his initial run there in, in in Wichita, and I really like the Paul Mills hire. Uh, I think he's a good fit good there. 
I think he's really going to do good things. Uh, first year may be a little rocky, and I do think this is a game that Missouri should win. It is, but it's going to be you know fascinating. I think they've got you know uh, Jerome Pierre and uh, Kenny Poto are still back. Those guys went in the portal. I, not Jerome Pierre transferred down actually, um, but I think Kenny Poto went in the portal and came back. But he's he a did. guy who's he's a really really solid sort of like starter level big for them. Yeah, because he was a guy we uh, were kind of keeping tabs on. Once yeah, has a portal. It's like well, maybe maybe uh, maybe if he needs like <laughs> just a guy to soak up some minutes. But you know this is a roster where I think. You could, if things go right and Paul's able to develop this team, they could be sneaky. Harlan Beverly is a kid that we followed out of high school. Um, he was a guy that Missouri recruited heavily. He's a Detroit uh, native. Uh, Cornell Mann recruited him. Didn't really ever break through at Miami, but he's coming back to the Midwest. Yeah, he uh, was always a good rotational pr- uh, player for Miami, but never like a standout. No, but it feels like, you know, draw. Moving to the AAC, moving to a program that, you know, where they're going to need, you know, to refresh the lineup. He feels like a guy that could be a solid piece for them. He's a he's more than adequate, you know, to match what's needed in the AAC. Dallin Original was a guy that Missouri kicked the tires on out of JUCO, um, but ultimately wound up at Missouri State. He's coming in as sort of a, a backfield guy. Bijan Cortez, I think, was a borderline top 100 guy in the, in the composite, was at Oklahoma. Didn't really ever break through under Porter Moser, but he's going to go and he's going to play for Paul Mills. There's Ryan DeGray. Jacob Germany, a pretty sneaky good stretch big out of UTSA, is on that roster. The question's going to be depth for them. What do they have after maybe the top five or six? But Beverly, Cortez, you know, Germany and DeGray, right night, maybe they, you know, get a little feisty on the road. We know Paul Mills runs great stuff. We know he, he, you know, gets his guys to play hard. I think what I like most about his system is that it's it he teaches guys to play basketball. It's a lot of five out. It's a you know really simple force the defense to help play off of it. It can be hard to scout. You know, in some ways there's some overlap with what Missouri's going to want to do. And fun times Connor Vanover gets to see his old coach too. So yeah, it's a night of reunions. Don't make sure you're there on December third. It's just a night of reunions at Mizzou Arena. That's going to be fantastic. Until I get the heartstrings. Speaking of heartstrings, um, next up on the docket is a a trip to Fog Allen, everyone's favorite uh, place to go play a basketball game. Um, it is a great facility, and uh, it's fun watching basketball games there. It's usually not fun when your team is uh, <laughs> is trying to uh, uh, try to pull out a win. Not um, team you care about is involved. So, a few things about KU. They are probably going to be the number one team in the preseason. Um, they, yeah. <laughs> they're going to be really good. They're going to be a national title contender. And we, uh, I mean, we've seen, and I really kind of feel like, like Bill Self, I kind of feel like is making a, a statement by how badly he wants to whip Missouri and how much he wants to whip Missouri by. Like, I feel like this is, he never wanted to play these games. I think the 80 forced his hand because uh, Kansas was a little worried that self might be suspended and they may have to, you know, be 
uh, they, they, they may be playing without him for a year, uh, may have to f- uh, forfeit a, uh, you know, a national title or something. <laughs> something along those lines was, was going to impact some fan excitement. So let's get Missouri back on the docket because that'll, uh, that'll put the bloodlust in all KU uh, fans' eyes. Um, but this is certainly not a game that you would expect uh, a team, even like, even at the height of Dennis Gates' powers, this is not a game you expect them to win. Uh, frankly, I would really just like to see them be competitive for for once against Kansas. Uh, yeah. It has not gone well the last couple times. No, I just keep the margin under 20. <laughs> just uh, look competent. I think that, you know, clearly the first year of this, there was absolute bloodlust and Bill would have run it up to 70 or 80 if he could have. It yeah, was... and and that was also like a vastly overmatched. It was vastly team. overmatched, you know, blood vendetta from from Bill. It was that win has transpired. I think last year, last year it looked like the Tigers were a little sort of deer caught in the headlights, headlights uh, there, and not quite ready for that moment. Um, and Bill Self had a week to get ready for that, which is you can hate Kansas and acknowledge that Bill's really really good. You give him a week to get ready. And he hates you. Yeah. It's going to go poorly. Um, this is a game, you know, DeWan Harris is back. DeWan Harris is really good. Um, Kevin McCullough's back. Kevin McCullough's really, really good. KJ Adams, you know, is going to be back playing as more of a natural four this year. And Hunter, <laughs> Hunter Dickinson. Dickinson who, you got Nick Timberlake. El Marco Jackson, a five star just. Hanging out on the bench, Johnny Furphy, one of the best international prospects, just hanging out on the bench. Parker Bronze, Parker Brown's sitting there, <laughs> his whole family waiting to kill him in black yeah. and gold. It's it's gonna be a challenge, you know. Again, we're joking because, in practical terms, keeping this thing respectable is gonna be the goal. It's it's gonna you know if they. Well, if I would say keep, keep, keep keeping this thing respectable is going to be the goal uh, or the, the hope of of uh, a lot of Mizzou fans. Um, you know, the goal for Missouri and, and, and Dennis Gates going to be and, to win and his team is to go in there and win. win. And and that should be their goal. Uh, and really, like, the way that they play, if, if, if they're able to defend anything, which they weren't last year. Uh, you got to tag able... rollers. You have to tag rollers. Right. Like, you know, there's a world in which, yeah, this is a game where you can you can find a way to win. If you go in there, you shoot well. Like, when Missouri shoots well, they're they're really good. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, we'll just see what these teams look like. That's December 9th. You know, we don't know what any of the rotations are. We just want the only thing we know right now is that Kansas is going to be really, really good. Missouri... There's a lot of questions that are going to be answered, hopefully, leading up to that game, and, and hopefully they do a lot of answering during that game. I think the one thing that's helpful is that they're going to get or probably a, a stiff road test at Pitt, and they're going to come home and maybe get a feisty Wichita State opponent. I, I think the, the a contributing factor last year was that Missouri had a toughish road game at Wichita State, but they had not really seen you know opponents I think could really induce any stress you know they're gonna get Memphis at home early and that team has some talent 
That's a yeah. top 30 or 40 level team. Minnesota, maybe not there talent-wise, but it's a road game at a Power 5. Another road game at an NCAA tournament team in Pitt. I think the schedule, what I like about it is that it feels like there's a incremental stepping up of you know of stress and sort of taxation as you go along. Last year, it really felt like they just jumped into an ice bath. Right and they were undefeated. You know, they were coming off a really, really tough road win. Buildings packed. And they just looked overwhelmed that first 10 minutes against Kansas. I think, I think the other hope here is, too, that now you've got Caleb Grill. He's been to he's been to fog. He knows what that atmosphere is like. You've got you know a guy in Tamar Bates, you know, who was recruited by Kansas, who's been in that building. Aiden Shaw's been recruited by Kansas, been in that building. You have guys who I think have a sense for what the rivalry is, for what that place is like. You know, Nick Honors played in tough buildings. Now there are guys on this roster that I think are older, that are going to be mature, that are going to be able to understand what it means to go into that building and sort of what is waiting for them there. And there will have been some time for this roster to feel a little bit stretched and taxed. So that's the hope, is that you know they're going to be just a little bit more callous before that game happens. And there's guys on this roster that remember what it was like just to get drummed last year, and they don't want to have that happen again. So that that's the optimistic case going into this. <laughs> well, so then they get uh, basically a week off. Uh, and I, I think this, week. yeah, like, I think this is going to be a fun, uh, fun matchup. Um, you know, Shaheen Holloway is taking over at Seton Hall. Uh, okay. last year was his first year. And, you know, like, I remember, like you kind of mentioned earlier about, you know, a, a lot of the, the, you know, coaches that, uh, are, are coaching the teams that are on this non-conference schedule or African-American head coaches. Uh, yeah. and it kind of, you know, reminds me of, you know, the article last year about, you know, black, all the black headed coaches who had like this text chain and they were all yeah. kind of on it together. And, and the guy like, you know, Holloway was one of the guys who like was talking about it. And he, he talked about like Dennis Gates kind of being on it. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's probably why this, you know, this game is, is on the schedule is, uh, you know, it, let's, let's, let's play a game and in, in Kansas city. And then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll come, you know, maybe play somewhere in you know New York area, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 get a good matchup against the you know what what is a very solid uh, <laughs> you know high major program in Seton Hall. Yeah, they they did some good work. Jaden Bediako, sneaky kind of good guy out of the portal for them. Um, Elijah Hutchins Everett, sort of a rotational piece from Austin P. This is a team that I you know I'm sort of curious what they look like. You know, with a little bit of a refresher, Tyree Samuel was a guy who I thought fit Seton Hall's culture and even kind of Shaheen's personality, you know, really, really well. You know, but he's transferred to Florida. You know, Alexis Yetna was another kind of tough, rugged player that you think you would want in that type of program. He's transferred down to Fairfield. Trey Jackson, a guy that that we know, you know, really, really well, has transferred out and gone back home to Michigan. You know, Tay Davis, uh, a guy that is from Indiana, who I saw play a little bit in high school, has gone back to Notre Dame. So I, I think it's interesting to see, you know, these weren't necessarily all bottom-of-the-roster type guys that left. So I'm sort of curious, you know, what the reset looks like there in year two. Um, But this is a team that's probably going to be picked in the middle of the pack 
in the Big East. If you do that, you're an NCAA tournament team. You know, right now, Torvik, you know, likes them at 53rd. You know, Missouri is 63rd. This is technically a neutral site game. Another one of those games that, you know, I think is is going to probably wind up on the quad one or two cut line, depending on how teams perform. But, I, you know, a really, really solid bit of scheduling there. And nice to see Missouri take the program back to Kansas City. And it had been, a, I think it's been, what, four or five years since they've been in the Kansas City metro area. And I really yeah, wish the that, ha- that Hall of Fame classic. In, in 2019, 2019, yeah, 2019-2020 season, I think. Yeah, yeah. And they played Butler in Oklahoma in, in those games. Really would like them to get to the west side of this, the state more. Um, you know, we know Bragging Rights is going to you know give them an appearance to St. Louis every year. But taking the program west is really, really good. Next year they're going to be in the Hall of Fame Classic again. And I think the year after that, they're in Kansas City to play some of the back ends of the Bracken and right games. But it's nice to finally get the a run. Uh, border work. Game, border border work, yeah. But it's nice to start getting a run uh, of games for alumni on the west side of the state. So even setting aside, you know, quality of opponent, it, it's nice to see the program get out and go west and, 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 you know, give those fans a chance to have a short drive to see them. So then we uh, we had Bragg rights uh, December 22nd. Um Always fun. Illinois looks like they're going to be pretty good. Uh, we enjoyed how that went last year. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Brad will be reminding his team what that was like uh, to get drummed by this upstart Missouri team when when Illinois was in the what were they? They were top twenty five, but not nothing crazy. Yeah, um, I mean. But- it's it's like we said last year. I think that Illinois team at the time had some uh, some loose bolts, and Missouri knocked them off. I don't think they have a point guard, do they? I mean, I'm looking at it right here. I don't see a point guard. You know, they've got I, actually. Maybe, I did. Did they do a foreign trip? They did a foreign trip, I think. And I Ty think Rogers. I heard. Yeah, I think I heard that Ty Rogers was their point guard on the foreign trip. Which I can't imagine yeah, that we, going too well. He was projected as a big wing coming out of high school. Yeah, that's that's. He's, I mean, he. And, he's a great and, player. He's yeah, a good he and player, Terrence good Shannon have probably a lot in common, like physically and sort like, of like what the expectations were coming out of high school. But they're not point guards. No. And they've got. Just let uh, Coleman Hawkins bring the ball up. <laughs> that did that that totally went well last time. If you have good Coleman, it can go. I guess, like, they're, I, I like our friend CJ Moore. You know this. Uh, he and Sam Vecini have their top 25 pull out today. They've got Illinois at number 14 in the top 25. Cool. I mean, look. I Quincy feel like Garrett, that's giving Brett Underwood a, 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 a lot of, a lot of rope. And, and not to say that, like, so far in his, uh, in the last few years, he hasn't earned, you know, some some leeway there. Like, uh, I, I like Mark, but like, I'll put it this way. I like Marcus Damas because I think he's he's a better fit for the play style there than Matthew Mayer was. But Matthew Mayer was a better player. Like, Quincy Garrier was a really, really 
you know, well-touted recruit, went to Syracuse, was inconsistent, went to Oregon, was inconsistent. We think he's going to figure it out in spot number three now. I mean, Justin Harmon, nice player out of Utah Tech. You know, Sincere Harris, you know, had some little flashes for them, but, you know, I liked Jaden Epps better for them as a freshman, and he went to Georgetown. He transferred to Georgetown. Monty yeah. Hansberry is a guy who looked really good, you know, on the EYBL at times, but, you know, Luke Goody didn't really get to play at all last year. I mean, I don't know if they have the same level of shooting that they've had. I don't know if they have a point guard. And, oh, by the way, I think that team hated each other for long stretches last year. Chemistry was not good. Like, I guess I could see this being a top 15 team if everything goes right, but <laughs> they have a ball handler, they have enough shooting. And, like, I know Terrence Shan's going to be good. I know Coleman Hawkins can be good. I like Ty Rogers' ceiling, but everything else feels just like... Maybe. Maybe. And watch us say that, and then they'll, they'll absolutely get vengeance and hammer Mizzou. But, I don't know, it... it the computers are going to like him. I think AP voters will probably put him in the top 20. I'm a little skeptical, but hey, could be a quad one win if you get it. So let's hope they're yep. just good enough to be quad one and have a bad night. Well, you know, and, and yeah, there is a little bit of, uh, a little bit of truth to that. I mean, like last year, Missouri, you know, beat the pants off them, but there was, you know, one point, uh, you know, at, what was it after? So Missouri beat them and then they lost to Northwestern and then they, you know, they won, like, what, seven of eight games, something like that? Yeah. Uh, and looked like they were putting it all together. But, you know, like, the Big Ten's a, a rugged league, and... This beats the crap out of each other. Yeah. It's that sometimes, you know, like, you, you, you go on the road. It's the same thing in the SEC. is just, like, you could... You have one stretch where you look great, and then you have another stretch, and, like, oh, why are they losing all these games? Like, well... You know, they lost on the road at Iowa. They lost on the road at Penn State. They lost on the road to Indiana. Three NCAA <laughs> tournament teams. Yeah. Like, you know, and, like, that's how it is in the SEC as well. It's like, well, you know, Missouri gets hammered by Texas A&M. What's wrong with Missouri? Well, Texas A&M is really good. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Overall, though, this is – you know, we can we can do a kind of a wrap-up on the whole schedule, but I, I, I really – Matt, you don't want to talk about Central Arkansas? Conway, baby! I'm going to... Because it's it's here ready to go. December 30th, Central Arkansas. Um, It's great. Great little way to wrap up the year. <laughs> Again, like, I feel like, like Kim Anderson always did that, right? Like, he always scheduled, you know, like, the absolute worst team in their schedule was, like, the... When nobody's yeah, the, around, the game, yeah, the game right before you start conference play, and uh, I remember there were some absolute drubbings of some terrible teams by another terrible team. Um, yeah, Central Arkansas, you know, like that's they've it, they've had a rough stretch as a, as a program for a lot of years. I, I like UAPB's future more than I like UCA's future. I'll just say that much. I think UAPB's got a coach that could actually. You know, lead them someplace in their conference. I'm not sure about UCA and the ASUN, but hopefully you should bank that win. Um, again, this is 
this is a schedule that is modestly improved over last year. <laughs> modestly. Feel like the top top of the schedule, like if you were to like average their Torvik and Kimpom ratings here, they're better by about ten spots. Like essentially the same as it was a year ago at the top end. Um difference is they you know maybe they scheduled te- three teams that won't end up sub 300 or sub 250 if things go yeah. right yeah maybe well and you know i would i think what, another thing that you're kind of hoping is that your depth is better this year to shore up like we were talking about earlier the garbage time minutes uh you know if Missouri was better in garbage time last year they're probably more likely at you know top 35-ish, you know, team, maybe top 40, yeah. definitely top 40, but like top 40, probably if they're top 40, they're probably on the six line. Yeah. You know, and that's, but, a, that's, that's sort of like the difference between, uh, you know, like <laughs> I, I brought it up in my, uh, my, you know, preview of SIUE about how SIUE the last, you know, quarter of the game, they won Missouri by 15 points as like Missouri was up by like 40 in that game. Like it was, yeah. it was not a contest. And then they came back and only lost by 25. Um, but it's like but we that, said, every position that's, counts. that's the difference a lot of times. And, and I get one fan say, you know, all that should matter is winning and losing. And then, you know, what you, you know, what your overall resume says. And to me, it's like, well, no, every possession counts. If you, you know, every other team that you think Missouri should be seated ahead of, didn't let the rope slip. Yeah. They handled their business. Missouri didn't. And if you are judging, like if you believe that, you know, you should see based on merit and on the body of work, you know, quads, you know, we also agree are sort of a stupid construction, but if you are applying that and, you know, four or five of their teams perform better against those opponents, they should be rewarded for it. And, you know, Missouri didn't. You know, if you look at MI, they grossly underperformed. They're probably one of the worst high major teams in garbage time mm-hmm. last year. And that may not matter in one game or two games. To do it four, five, six games. Which they did. <laughs> it adds up. So I think you hope, you know, this team is able to handle its business and do what it needs to do. And, you know... I think there are eight or nine wins at a minimum here. But what do those wins look like? What does the body of work look like? You know, it's, we'll see. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is I think they structured this schedule a little bit better than a year ago. Last year, just felt like you went from zero to 60. This feels like there's a little bit more of, you know, incremental sort of and stepwise progression. Um, but, you know, where do you think the swing games are? Is yeah. it Memphis? Is it Pitt? Is it Seton Hall? Are those I'd three? Say that... Memphis, Pitt, Seton Hall, and Illinois are probably the four. Hmm. Um, yeah. You, you expect a home win over Wichita State, road loss at Kansas. If you can split, you expect a road win at Minnesota, probably. Yeah, if you get a split out of that and you get to 10 and 3, I think that's a good. That's probably the best result you 
well, not the best role, but that's probably one that I think would tee you up for some pretty good success in non in conference play when it gets here. But we'll see. Well, uh, so that's the schedule. Um, not a lot else is happening. I do uh, a little bit of news uh, on our Boateng, everybody's uh, you know favorite borderline five star recruit. Uh, finished his visits and um, has another one scheduled. I guess yeah. It's like it's, people were making a big deal that uh, that our our friend at Parmazoo, Gabe Diarman, uh, submitted a future cast or whatever they call it at Rivals. Um, <laughs> You know, pick for Botang to end up at Mizzou. If you've been paying attention to our podcast, I'd say like we've always felt that the momentum was helpful towards Botang to maybe have the Tigers as the favorite. Uh, I would not enter in a pick um, at this point. Yeah, we, you know, he still has scheduled uh, a visit to Indiana. If he cancels that, I say log your pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. but let's let's let the family see uh, see Bloomington. Um, it's a it's a it's a cute little campus. The fans are, are rabid about about the Hoosiers. Um, but ultimately, uh, we hope and and think this is uh, something that could end up with him becoming a Tiger. Yeah, would be a you know Arkansas fans would say they 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 were being you know gracious and just letting Missouri have him. That's that's what Arkansas fans will say. <laughs> that Muss was being, you know, kind mm. and you know philanthropically minded by letting Missouri uh, go. Well, and, and you know they were on uh, this other the other guys who they think are better. So you know, like you know they they couldn't take a commitment uh, from from Boateng because they got to wait on this other guy. And if Boateng wants to commit, then he wants to commit, and that's. That's how you it know, is. That, which is just stunning to me. Like Arkansas. Arkansas, the whole thing is guys don't leave. Like, and when they leave, they only go to Kentucky. Like, that's that is the mentality of that fan base. But, you know, Jalen Shelley out of Houston is the guy they really want. Right. Not the not the five star out of Little Rock Central. Not that guy. But still worth monitoring. Really, really fascinating. Uh, if you can go in, regardless of what Arkansas fans will say, still impressive to go in and, and potentially extract a kid out of Little Rock Central, who's a five-star talent, would be exceptionally rare for them, no matter what sort of frame they want to put on it. But we'll see. Uh, those pesky Hoosiers still lurk. And we're uh, we're still monitoring uh, Jaden acquaintance. We'll see what happens there. Uh, the visit happens in September. Uh, he's also scheduled to go see Ohio State and Kentucky in October. Yeah, um, yeah. if I remember correctly. Um, and keep an eye on the G League too. Yeah, Maybe. you know, like he's. If you're if you're reading all the uh, the tea leaves, the you know following the breadcrumbs. Uh, it, it seems to be a, a potential situation where you know whoever is the highest bidder can probably, uh, you know, get uh, the, this kid on their campus, um, and maybe that's the G League. Um, we'll see. Uh, I think Missouri's in a good spot uh, right now. That NIL law is working in their favor, um, <laughs> and 
credit to Mizzou Boosters because apparently they're stepping up and, and making this uh, making this competitive. So that's all I got to say about Quaintance. Uh, as the the visit gets closer, we'll hopefully there'll be more information unearthed, and we'll <laughs> we'll have more talk about that point. But that's that's all I've got, Matthew. That's all I've got. We we had live actual basketball to talk about, or uh, you know, a schedule to talk about. So I'll I'll take that. It just what is it? Ten weeks till tip. Uh yeah, ten weeks. Closing in, closing in, but nope, I've got everything. One last thing before we get out of here, uh, sir, and I have to say, attention, sports fans. Yeah. Are you a fan of an NFL team? Would you love to attend your favorite team's week one game? Well, you're in luck. Fans First Sports Network is giving away four free tickets to week one NFL game of your choice up to $5,000. The rules to enter are simple. You go to contest.fansfirstsports.com. I will say that again, contest.fansfirstsports.com and fill out the appropriate information. There's a little thing that you just fill out right there. That's it. Once you've done that, you've officially been registered uh, to enter and enter to win uh, these four free tickets to any week one NFL game. So what are you waiting for? Matt, are you going to do it? Are you going to go check out the Colts or maybe travel to uh, to see the Chiefs? I, I can get some free tickets to work. Go enter for your shot at seeing your favorite team in action. I'm assuming we have some NFL fans who who listen to this, this podcast as well. Uh, the contest does end up September 4th, so if for any reason you're listening to this on September 5th, you are too late. Uh, but if you're listening to it before that, head over there, uh, enter. What's the worst that could happen? You could end up with $5,000 worth of, of, of tickets and travel to see your favorite NFL team. There are worse problems to have, I suppose. I actually like legitimately think that's cool. Like there's nothing else you have to do. Like fans for sports network is, is who we're affiliated with now. Uh, they <laughs> help us publish this pod. They, you know, help us uh, with this software and all the stuff that we have to uh, to run to make it look kind of nice. Uh, so I'm, I thank them. I, I think this is a cool thing. Oh, go sign up. Uh, go ahead, folks. That's it. So uh, I think you're probably going to take you're probably going to take uh, at least a couple weeks um, off. Uh, I'm still trying to kind of set up some interviews. We've had some people kind of had to push things. Uh, so we didn't get anything last week, which wasn't all the worst thing. It was nice to kind of have a day off. Uh, but we will have some more people uh, coming in to talk on this here podcast. So stay tuned. Uh, before the box score, Matt is going live tomorrow night. So this is Monday night, August 28th. Tuesday night, August 29th, you can watch Nate and BK live on YouTube. Uh, which will be embedded into the Rockham Nation website as well. So go check that out. Uh, that's it for us. We're out of here. We'll see you uh, soon. Bye. Uh. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more just like it beamed directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams. Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and, and read about. It is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks. Thanks.